one giant mother freaking eight seconds dave apology there you go we need an apology because right now what we're seeing happen with the pistons and the spurs dave it's unbelievable how much how bad these teams are and how the thunder never entered this territory yet we got all this shit about what's bad with basketball guys we had 20 wins on our worst seasons at least 20 wins. And, and these teams are sitting there not even to sniff the balls of 10 wins. And they're like sitting here acting like, like the Thunder were an embarrassment. Bullshit, bro. Bullshit. We need some fucking apologies starting with Stephen A. Smith, Skip Bayless, all the dumbasses on ESPN. I want them lined up and I want them ready on their knees for Sam Presti's monster cock. Ooh, I like it, dude. I like it. But no, I think you're. I think you're right, and I, I want to just like echo what Mark and I have been saying since day one of starting the podcast. All right, is the people that have been listening to certain media in the Oklahoma City Thunder have been led astray. By simple as that, they've been led astray to think that this was a was a tear down. This was a um, you know um, a tank job. Uh, like they were misled. And it's sad because a lot of these people, when they started saying those words, they, they disconnected to the team. They wouldn't watch the team anymore. Now we're getting opportunity yeah, to see all the fans that are coming back into the stadium that are, that are recognizing, that are recognizing the one most important fact right now. And that most important fact about this team is that this team, they missed a lot of the games that were the building games into what is going on. And this team is not a joke. This team is not one of those teams that... Uh, the best teams in the league are going to look at it and be like, oh, this is an easy game. This is not it, right? You look at the San Antonio Spurs, you look at the Detroit Pistons, and you say, yeah, man, that, that's going to fucking suck, you know, because there's three to four more drafts away from being in a position that they are, the, uh, they are close to what the Oklahoma City Thunder are going to be at. And it's just sad. It's sad for, for the game of basketball because you look at it and you say, um, you know, Oklahoma City Thunder media, um, in podcasts, they trashed the team and made it impossible to watch instead of being able to appreciate the greatest moments of the Oklahoma City Thunder rebuilding. And we got to enjoy it. Everybody who's joining us right now knows how to enjoy these types of things. But my question for you, Dave, is now that everybody is on the Thunder's dicks, like everybody, you, go, you get on YouTube and like everybody wants a piece of this, right? And I Not get there. it. What's up, man? What's up, buddy? It's a, it's a we're a sexy team right now, and you look top to bottom, <laughs> we're amazing. So my question mm. for you, Dave, is bro, so good. How, why did it take everybody so long to realize what was happening? Like I appreciate all the positive things they're saying, but it's like they waited until the dick slapped them in the face to realize they were staring at a giant cock. Well, we've been saying this. I mean, that's what we've been saying. That we said that um, early in the beginning of the season, we said that people were going to be upset when they realized that this team was a 50-plus win team. I mean, mm -hmm. it's mind-boggling. I, I want to throw this at you right now, all right? Do you know what we have to go in order to become a 50-win team the rest of the season? Um, you sent it to me earlier, so you tell me because I did it wrong. Slightly but. above 500. Slightly above. For the last 52 games, I think we have to, or 51 games, I think we have to go like, what, like 28 and 24 or 23? You know what I'm saying? Like, like so that's we could I mean 60. that's insane to say. We could sniff yeah, 60. but like, but like, 
We, we could say 60 if we're only going to lose 13 more games this season. And right. I, I think that's where it comes back down to, guys. It's like, like we, even ha- we haven't even lost 13 games this year yet. We even haven't lost 13 games in 30. Um, so by 60, if we've only lost, if it was 60 games, so, you know, we're someplace in the line of uh, 24 or uh, 22, 20, 44 and 20, you know, if we're sitting at that position at 44 and 20, we, we know we're in something special because this has an opportunity to be something great. But the reality of the situation, though, is, is let's just let's take it down a notch, though, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. And just realize up, and being able to appreciate what's happening. And if this is a team that makes it to 60, then fuck yes. But if this is a team that is not going to make it to 60 and they end up at like 50, 55 wins, guess what? Back to back plus 10 win seasons that no one predicted. I mean, think about that. I think these the people hate are feel- for Oklahoma City is going to be so obvious to everybody else that it's going to be ridiculous. I think these people are going to feel pretty fucking stupid, man, when they realize that they ignored one of the great rebuilds and it happened right in front of their nose and they were too stuck up and they kept talking about what they perceived the facts were before it started. And now this team is the best Hmm. team in the West. I mean, the second best record or, you know, there's three teams that are really nice right now. It's Denver, Minnesota and us. But with us having the youth, us not risking things like big future trades for you know guys like Gobert um what we're talking about right now is really something that for most teams it only happens once in a lifetime and for the thunder fans That's we've it. just seen it happen twice twice in 12 years 15 years i guess the thunder have been mm-hmm. around since what 2008 so we're talking about our 16th yeah. year we've seen it happen twice now where it's been an incredible resurgence of a team and my question for you is why does anybody even question Sam Presti at this point? Well, people are going to question Sam Presti and, and with all due respect to who Sam Presti is um, and what he's done for this team. But people are going to um, uh, question Sam Presti because of the, I would say, the years that we were competing for a championship and the draft picks that Sam did. Or okay. made. Yeah, That's the only reason people are questioning him. And, and if you look back at it and you want to say anything about, well, it was stupid, but what Sam was doing was he was going to the draft to fill the needs of the team. Right. And when you do that, sometimes you really fuck up because you go and you're like, oh, this, you know, this guy's going to be really good. And he's just not, you know, yeah. and it's because like, oh, we need another player like this. We need another guy like this. And like Sam missed up so many opportunities to get really good players because he went for need. I mean, think about this. If Sam Presti had recognized that Giannis, you know, never again will Giannis pass him for Steven Adams. Never. He learned that lesson. And I think that's what's so great about this is that, you know, in the past, do I think that Sam would have picked um, J-Dub over um, um, Usman Jang? Nope. But guess what he didn't this time around? He picked them both. Yeah. He bet on them both. And that's the, the maturity that he's come, come with. He's like, I understand that this player is going to be good, so I'm going to go with him because he's not second-guessing some picks. And now you got somebody, all these people that are saying uh, future all-star for J-Dub, future defensive player of the year for Chet, future MVP for Shea. Future champions in Oklahoma City. You know, we've been talking about this since 
you know, three years ago when we got this thing underway where it felt like this was the final step for a city like Oklahoma City. Like we've got the big league city status that we're still really proud of. But getting to the point where you're a championship level team, where you're no longer just happy to be at the ball, but you're taking home the hot date. You know what I mean? That's what I'm talking about. And I feel like this sense of this energy being here in Oklahoma City, where even the people here don't know it. Like they don't know Mm. that they're about to have their minds blown with how big the party can be. You know, they they tasted it. We had a couple of games of the finals mm-hmm. here in Oklahoma City. Um, but I think it happened in such a blur. That, and it happened so long ago. They, they almost forgot. Yeah. What happens next? Yeah. This is, this is what people are going to tell their grandkids about. Their great-grandkids about. Like, mm-hmm. I was there. I witnessed it. I saw this thing go from what it was to what it is. And what it is is more than anybody sure. can imagine. And, and that, that type of expectation for the future only comes if you start stacking rings if you're not stacking rings it just doesn't matter and like eventually somebody comes and poaches your team so that's our goal i think michael jordan i think it was michael jordan maybe scotty it's one of the one of the bulls players that said um said at the best man said rings brings everybody together and it's true like, think about all the shit that you go through in a season and you get sick and tired of this guy, you get sick and tired of this guy, but the end of the season comes and all of a sudden you're looking at a ring. And you're like, hmm, yeah, I can go with that again. <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. But we've seen so many times with, with a dynasty, with, with a Lakers dynasty or, or Chicago's Bulls dynasties, right? Mm-hmm. What happens to those dynasties? They're put together by a genius coach and GM, right? And they're put together. Scottie Pippen and Michael Jordan are the two guys that were drafted by those Bulls teams, really. I mean, they had some other guys that were sprinkled in there and all that stuff. But those are the two guys that were drafted by those Bulls teams that won the championships, right? Mm-hmm. Lakers. Kobe was drafted. You, you see what I'm saying? Everything yeah. else is put together, right? Sam Presti is doing it in such a unique way. We've never seen it before. He's mm-hmm. going to the draft and putting these guys together early on in their careers. And not just that, but he's recognizing that there's moments in the NBA that it switches. Boom. And what happens when it switches, Mark? The one thing that happens is the talent changes. And Sam Presti recognized this time around. He recognized when it was buy-in, all-in. Right now, you got to do it. You've got three years until you have an opportunity to get one of the best players coming out of the game ever. Ever. And it's beautiful, man. Like, beautiful. Because I, 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 look at, I look at Shea and say what you want. Like, people are going to sit here and say, well, we saw it in Shea. I mean, like, the reality of Shea, though, is that you can, nobody can sit there and say they knew Shea during his rookie season was going to be an MVP, MVP type caliber player. Nobody can say that. Year two, he gave a little bit of, 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 of show, but not as much as he did on year four and year five. Right. That's the difference with this team is that we were going towards the picking and drafting somebody like Shea, right? Not Shea, uh, Chet. And getting guys around him like J-Dub and Josh Giddy, right? That was the goal. But then you throw in a guy that's all of a sudden ex- exceeded any expectation that anybody could have ever put on him. 
mean, nobody knew that he was going to be the most deadly mid-range guy in the NBA. Nobody knew that he was going to be able to play point guard, shooting guard, small forward on defense. Nobody knew that. But the people that have been loyal to the Oklahoma City Thunderman, I tip my hat to you guys because you guys have consistently been there, consistently talking about these guys, consistently lifting them up instead of trashing them. Listen, there were some dark days when Isaiah Roby and, 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 and Poku were out there just dominating what we were trying to figure out. Right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But it's the positivity that has consistently been with this team and recognizing that these guys are just temporary band-aids to a bigger plan. And recognizing that Poku and Ojman Jang and these younger guys that Sam Presti has consistently drafted is for one reason. Is he's drafting role players that are young, training them to be the role players that we need to be. I mean, look at Lindy Waters out there, man. He's a perfect role player. Perfect. Something goes wrong, coach puts Lindy Waters out there and says, I need you to go get a charge. I need you to go get a steal. I need you to go play defense to this guy. I need you to go hit a three-point shot. Lindy Waters is going to go out there and do what exactly coach tells him to do. You need guys like that. You need a guy like uh, Jay Will and Poku and Usman Jang and Isaiah Joe, like teams that are filled out with really good role players is the key to longevity in the NBA because then you give your stars an opportunity to, to rest, sometimes much longer than others because role players are on fire. Let me ask you, based on what we've seen over the last few years and stuff, um, you know, assuming that we stay healthy, uh, sure. where do you think this team will be in 50 games? How, how, what type of basketball, what level of improvements do you think we can do? Well, I, 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 let's, just, let's just be honest, right? Um, I think Mr. DJ says it really well. Let's enjoy the ride in Oklahoma City. And I think Mark and I and everybody else that's part of this podcast will tell you the same thing. We've, we really enjoy this ride. Like We enjoy every aspect, every minute of the games, um, even losses. We recognize that um, 12 points with you know three minutes or two minutes and 30 seconds to go isn't enough. So we stay around and watch them and, and see if we can pull something crazy off. Like That's love for the team. That's enjoying every single moment. But where do I think that this team could be in 50, 51 games? I think it's going to be like this, all right? I think it's going to be like we're watching a heavyweight fight, all right? I think it's going to be back and forth, back and forth. We, we're going to go, you know, time periods where we lose two or three games in a row, and then we come back and win six, seven games in a row, all right? And it's going to go back and forth, back and forth. And first, third, fourth, it's it, it's just going to be back and forth. Like we've been lucky at this point. Like the majority of the season, we've been sitting between three on um, third and our second and third. You know, right. But you got other teams that are knocking on that door. And my tip, you know, tip my hat to uh, Vic, uh, who's been calling the Los Angeles Clippers a real deal for quite a while now. Uh, Vic from uh, All Things Basketball, check him out. Pretty cool guy. Um, but the reality of what we're sitting is. Um, being in is that there's going to be teams that are going to go on these crazy runs where they're going to win 10, 11 games in a row. And, you know, us going seven and three isn't going to be enough to be able to hold them back. And, and that's just, you know, like it's just going to go like that because this is a crazy NBA at a crazy time. And this is the time that, that when you have 17 games in a, in a month, like things are going to go crazy. Like you could literally be in a position where we're five games up 
in first place in the West after January. Or we could be three games back from first place in, um, by the end of January. So it's just, it's just about enjoying the heavyweight, man. Like it, This would be like a Mike Tyson and, and good old uh, Vendor Holyfield fight, minus the ear biting. So good times, man. Yeah, and El Sombra's got What's a up, point. What's up, Trey Lee? El Sombra says that you got to avoid these, Sombro. these people up, who man? casual fans who jump in, start watching, and then start trying to like trade away our players. Like, obviously, they don't know what they're talking about. But, Dave, I want to stick with that heavyweight analogy because you look at a team like the, the Timberwolves and the, they got off to a fast start. But if you're sticking with a heavyweight sure. analogy, they're, to me, they're a team that can't go 12 rounds. Right. And then you look at a team like us and people would assume that maybe we're posing to be heavyweights, but we really don't have the girth to handle, you know, 12 rounds of pounding. But the reality is when sure, I look man. at what we have, I, I see way more potential for the next level to be taken up. I don't think a lot of people think a lot of the even the talking heads who are jumping on the bandwagon right now think that our best basketball is in front of us. But I can definitively say, you know, assuming that we stay healthy as much as we can, and we don't lose a guy like Shea or Chet, like, we, we could win 20, 20 games in a row. Like, people could look back and be like, how did that sure. happen? And it's going to be because, like, we're showing all I the agree. signs. We're showing all the, all the signs of, you know, we're winning big on, you know, away. We're getting these leads that, um, you know, we're chopping them down from 15 or 12 in the last two minutes. So a couple of things going right. Sure. A couple of teams not being ready. Like last year, players, they were resting their stars because they didn't think we'd be good at the beginning of the season. Dave, you were saying at the end of the season, they were resting them because we were pushing them too hard. And I think we could kind of run into a nice soft section of the schedule where we win, you know, 8, 10, 12, 14, and we start counting toward 20. And people then realize, oh, shit, dude, this isn't normal. This isn't normal at all. And, and they're starting yeah. to kind of get a wind of that, but they're, they're really hedging their bets. And this goes back to what we started with, Dave. Like, the reason they're hedging their bets is because they haven't watched. They haven't seen what's been going on. They've, yeah. they've been told to well, ignore and when they, it. And so they and when did. they watch a game, and when they watch a game, they're like, holy shit, this team's really good. Right. But they watch a game. That's it. Right. We need that exposure, the national media exposure. But once we get it, you know, people are going to realize that this team is better than the best versions of the Thunder we had previously. Now, mm. it doesn't mean that we're going to automatically make it to the finals. But if you told me this team was matching up against 2011 and 2012 and Oklahoma City Thunder, we would have the advantage. We would have the advantage because mm. we're better defensively. We have a deeper bench. We can score with them at the high-end talent. But we're also going to do what we need to to take them out of their actions. And I know that they're not going to do what they need to to take us out of our actions. And that would be, well, I mean, we would get so many corner threes against that team. We would just dominate the perimeter. And we'd also score more points in the paint at the same time. And they would hit more long twos. You know what I mean? Like, let's do it. Yeah. Let's match them up. I, you look at the, this team. And you look at this team and the way that, that we match up with other teams as, as we attack the hole, right? And we just make it dirty and nasty to the point where nobody else is, is, is you know, letting us go into the hole. It's, it's all about elbows and, and whatever, knees and elbows, right? 
But then you get the point where we're at that point. What do we do? We, we, we put out guys like, like Isaiah Joe and Jay Will and, you know, like Lindy Waters when we want to. Guys that can pure, like are pure shooters. And next thing you know, it's like, bam, bam, bam. And then what do they do? They shut that shit off. So we start attacking the hole again. You know, like 30 plus assists is where we've been. We've done that like five or six times this season, bro. 30 plus right. assists, five or six times. Why? Because we understand attacking the hole. And if you look at these guys and you look at the five starters that we broke down uh, in last episode, right, bro, we talked about the uh, five starters and their shooting percentages from three-point range. You know what's crazy about that? Is if you take Shea's 35, which is out of the five starters, he's the lower shooter right there. Everybody else is shooting 45 plus percent in the last 10 games from three point range. You know why? Because teams are trying to shut down Shea. They're putting three or four guys on him and shutting him down. I mean, like you watch Shea, he goes in the lane. There's four guys that are in the lane trying to stop him. Shea has to pass four guys to get to the hoop. And he does. It's like easy. He's like cutting butter. Or he recognizes that he's, he's not going to make it. So what does he do? He looks for the guy in the corner. The J-dubs, you know, like, I mean, like, it's insane. I've never, I've never seen this before. And Josh Giddy recently has been so wide open. It's been ridiculous. And he's been killing it. 46% from three in the last 10 games. It's insane, guys. And this is after all this talk of Josh Giddy is trading him, like trading Josh for a song. And it's like, all of a sudden it's like, Josh Giddy's like, ah, I haven't even been playing well. And he's right. Now he's shooting 45 plus percent from three point range. And he's just like, yeah, I'm starting to feel it again. So this is something we talk about all the time. It's how Oklahoma city media, Oklahoma city thunder media specifically, they don't really pay attention themselves. They pay attention to what the national media says about the team. And then they, they just kind of like regurgitate that information. We'll go, we'll go with regurgitate. (laughs) We could say aggregate, but I'll say regurgitate. (laughs) But either way, um, these we see that happening a lot. So now that YouTube and other national media places like ESPN are obsessed with the thunder, how will that change how the local media starts covering the thunder? Well, they're going to always act like they've, they've, they've been on board. They, okay. Put it like this. Every single time that we try to get them to talk about it. Right. And we would challenge them. They would always say the same thing. This is the way it's going to be, but I hope I'm wrong. Right? So they can, you know, hinge their bets. And I think that's the key about what we've seen with so many Fairweather fans out here. And and I'm not calling, I don't want to point the finger at anybody, but that's really where it's at. Point the finger at all. Like you said, they're hedging their bet. They want to seem like they're intelligent. And thus you hedge your bet. Like for us, it wasn't about that. What we saw Right. And what we, we surrounded our, our community with was were people that understood that this wasn't normal, that Sam Presti was building something that was going to be incredibly special, that was going to be beautiful to see. And it was about being patient into the right time. And if you look at it and you look at any NFL team, you look at any baseball team, you look at any professional team that like, I mean, the Celtics, man, a few years back when they made it to the finals and everybody's under 24 years old. You know, like, like it makes sense sometimes. Why hasn't the Oklahoma City Thunder been exalted like the Celtics were that year? Why? It's because we're still a small market and a very unknown team. And I think that's the thing that's crazy about it is that the Celtics was a big market and everybody knew what was happening with the Celtics, right? But this is different. 
This is the Oklahoma City Thunder. And because of that, it's almost been like, shh, don't talk about them. Shh, don't talk about them. And now it's like on fleek. I mean, think about it. We, we're we getting, what was his name? Um, Scott Van Pelt to, yeah. to talk to us on Twitter. You yeah, know, they were like, you guys are, tra- like, the, the team is trash. Like, you right. guys won't be good for another seven, eight years. It's just the way it's going to be. I mean, he was just like, like, like Mark and Dave, you guys are horrible. And it's like, <laughs> cool. But you're saying we're not going to be good for seven, eight years. And what was it, two years later, we're good? So that's what the media were saying. Yeah, that was consensus. And that's why, like I started out, I think they owe us a goddamn fucking apology. Because now they're coming back and they're wanting to double back and be like, oh, well, you know, well, they did this and they did this. And I still hear the narratives and they're like, oh, well, they intentionally lost the second half of these seasons. And I'm like, okay, I mean, you could argue that we didn't win as many games as we could, but intentionally lost our way to, you know, like, whatever. It's fine. SVP can suck right. a dick. No, no. We said I, that I, a I long time that. ago. I want to I address that. Shay. All right. Shea got injured for 20 games of the last right. 35 games. Now, right. the Thunder had an opportunity to sit there and be like, do we put Shea back in the game for the last 15 games or we just hold him back? Hopefully he doesn't get, you know, so he doesn't get injured. They did the smart thing. They didn't tank well, for that was 20 games or 35 games. They tanked for 15, essentially, by not letting so Shea rush his injury. That was the year with plantar fasciitis. In that draft, we got Josh Giddy, right? So then the next year... Right, we're going down the stretch, and Josh Giddy's hip isn't quite right. I don't think it was a he misses you know, like thirty something games of the season. Yeah, right. He everything after they played one game together after the All Star break, and it could yep. have been easy to just <laughs> sit down Shea also, but Shea played those games. No, Shea had started, a twisted, he had a twisted ankle or a groin injury or something like that during that he time. Started didn't averaging he? thirty. That was the stretch when he let yeah. everybody know he was going to do thirty the next year, and he started making his case for yeah. All Star for this prior year. So my point is. It's easy to look at it and say, oh, this team that was like quite literally outmatched and outperformed expectations. People were thinking they would win 10 games and they won 20 plus. Yeah. And, you yeah. know, that they intentionally decided to, you know, tank at the end of the season. But that's mm-hmm. not how people were talking about it. And even if they were, how about we start talking about the Pistons and the Spurs? Like they are the embarrassments to the NBA. Like it, these teams actually have number one picks on their squad. And instead of being yeah, in a spot like we where we were, where we added number two pick and we were on our way up already and he helped us move our game forward, they've continued to lose 18, 20, 28 games in a row. Yeah. And nobody's saying this is the worst thing for basketball ever, like they were saying it was about the Thunder. And it comes back to you saying, number one, about the, the small market. But another thing, people think Presti utilizes tanking on as his way of building. But... I think in the sure. reason this is really important to distinguish the difference between a tanking rebuild like a Sam Hinkie and a Sam Presti rebuilding rebuild is that teams are going to try to copy this. And if they do it the wrong hmm. way, they'll end up in the Sam Hinkie situation, right? But if you do it the right way, you can end up with a young, super talented, all-NBA player, a bunch of draft picks that can come in and help you out and own other teams' draft picks. So in case you get to the point where you're a contender, you're still picking below because you've got these other teams' picks and pick swaps. So you're always ensuring that you can infuse your high-quality team with top-end talent. Ultimately, when we look at Sam Presti's first run and where it came short, that's what you were saying, like the years that he drafted players because it was like, we need to fit this need. You know, that was whenever we were in, you know, deep in the playoffs and our picks were in the 20s and we wouldn't really have Mm -hmm. a lot of, you know, capital. So this time 
before he ended up doing the full-blown rebuild and adding talent through the draft, he acquired future picks, the 2027 pick of this team, the 2028 pick of this team. Now he's looking at 2030 picks because his goal is to be able to continually infuse the teams with talent, not just today, tomorrow, next year, but in seven years. Every single year, he wants to think, Mm -hmm. what will I have seven years from now? Who else is thinking like that? And, And if more teams thought like that, then it would be good for the NBA. So this idea that Sam Presti's the bad guy and, and that somehow whatever's happening in these other teams is acceptable because it's not Sam Presti's doing, they need to write a, like the Harvard Business Review, the whatever, they need to do a fucking documentary on how this was done and how other teams can follow this process because it will work in every single sport. It'll work in other facets of life. Yep. But we need to understand how this works. Like MIT has a Sloan Academy you know, of Sports Science, I think. Let's do it. Let's get after this because this is how the future should be written. If you're a small market and you don't want to lose your team and you want to see your team go from the brink of like a championship and go to the next level, like it can happen. It can happen. It doesn't have to be like that stupid book I read, Boomtown, like where the conclusion is this team never made it and that was the boom and it's over. What about the boom and then that was just the warning sign for what was to come and what came next was something that nobody could predict because it was so hmm. fucking awesome, bro. There. I want to I want to say this and before we leave and I want to like let it known like next year is going to be the year that we get two or maybe three assistant GMs poached from us. Hmm. Yeah. All right. Next year will be the year that we lose one or two assistant coaches because it's it's very well known what's happening. Um, I look at Coach Gibbs. I mean, he's he's so like he is so you know squared away. Coach Bliss, Coach Cameron Woods. I mean, these guys are so good. And I keep looking at back and saying like, eventually teams are going to recognize that there's no way to compete with this. The Oklahoma City Thunder. So if we poach their coaches and we poach everything else, maybe we can make them <laughs> shit again. And I think that's the crazy thing about what we have to say about this is rings, brings everybody together and that's how we keep this thing together all right guys stick with us love you we'll see you soon